So welcome, welcome. I am so glad that we're able to uh, join together today. Let's see, we've got Helen from New York. We've got Donna in Florida. Uh, it looks like oh, we've got people coming in from Northern California, Colorado, Florida, New York, Nevada, um, Pennsylvania. Wow, all over. Okay, so this is a really popular topic. Got it. So here's how today's going to go. I know we have some new people uh, based on what I'm seeing on the, the control panel. So let me just um, introduce myself real quick and tell you a little bit about the show and how this is go going to unfold so you know what to expect. And then we'll go ahead and I'm going to give you a little bit of insight and content around collaborations that actually work and how to set them up and how to think about it. And then I'll open up the phone lines for questions and then we'll wrap right about half an hour from now. So with that, hi everybody, welcome. Welcome to the Product Business Show. I'm Amy Wenslow and my company, Products to Profits, has been hosting this Q&A call-in show for about eight years now. And it happens every other Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for about half hour, 45 minutes, or a, a little bit uh, more than that. So if you are listening to this as a replay on our podcast, you can certainly go over to productstoprofits.com slash live, and that will get you on the list to get the reminders and the topic announcements. So before I dive into any more content for us, let me just say this. First off, I'm not a patent attorney. I am not an attorney of any kind. I have a long background in product development, sales, and marketing of consumer products for the United States. And our clients sell to over 43 major U.S. Um, chains. They sell on QVC, HSN, um, Amazon, of course. Walmart, you, you name it, it's really run the gamut. And I've worked on a line that did $300 million in three years of sales on $20 items. So a um, <laughs> little bit of background for you. And the price ranges have gone from about $2 per unit all the way up to around $45,000 per unit. So we work on things that are destined for large sales. And our clients come from early stage startups, people that have a first prototype or sometimes even a sketch, all the way to companies that are having a problem. They've been selling for a while and something went sideways and they need to fix a problem. They need to do it fast. So that's the perspective that you're going to hear today. And we do have some clients in common with a couple of the sharks from Shark Tank, um, different investment groups. So a pretty broad spectrum of background. Now, collaborations. I see, wow, we have more people popping in today. That's amazing. Collaborations are really, really important and something that most people overlook or don't have a good definition around, right? So let's first talk about the what part of a collaboration. A collaboration in the best of all worlds is two entities or more combining their energy, know-how, expertise, and possibly money in different ways to produce a result that is greater or different 
or faster than one that any particular one entity could produce by itself, okay? So it's to the benefit of all concerned, preferably, right? If you want the collaboration to last, it has to have a big enough upside for everyone who's collaborating for them to get excited about it and to buy into doing it, um, energetically buy in, whether they have money or not in the deal, okay? So under that definition, anytime you have investors in your deal, you are collaborating with the investors, right? They are putting in money, you are putting in your knowledge and expertise, investors may be putting in knowledge and expertise as well, and it's for the good of everyone, okay? So a collaboration is a context and a framework to come from, okay? It's a place to look at what you're doing from. And years ago, I was in a program. Was, um, we did community projects as the culmination of this leadership program. And it was a very interesting thing because we had to always be looking at all the different um, people that were in the community project together. And it was something that it wasn't like you could declare that you were going to change your business sales by a certain number. No, it had to be something that didn't have economic benefit to you that could expand and live outside of just your viewpoint. Okay? So I'll say more about that if anybody wants. But when you look at a community project or a collaboration, it is something that inspires people to the point where they can pick up a piece of it or an area of it and see what's possible for themselves for participating in it, okay? So it's a little bit um, different than most people think of collaboration. So the what of a collaboration also involves different types and structures and upsides and how do you negotiate them, right? So. I have a very good example of a collaboration. We decided with our mastermind group members that we were going to do some interviews because um, their, their projects are so cool and such good things are happening. And everybody got really excited, right? And then I was reflecting on it and I expanded it. So we have something that I have not announced anywhere else yet. It's very, very cool. So we will be interviewing some clients that have had different results in their projects and learned and their projects are all very different and so these interviews will be coming out but in the true idea of collaboration what's going to happen is there's co-promotion going on right so expanding the reach because it's in everybody's interest to do that and then on top of that I got inspired to invite a few experts and friends and colleagues that you don't normally get to hear from and they have very large reach so our clients are going to be part of this summit that we're putting together but we're also expanding the reach of the other experts that are coming in right so this is a collaborative effort so that's an example of one kind of collaboration um, my company products to profits is taking care of all the logistics of it and hosting it, and we're doing all the tech of it, right? So we're bearing a lot of the 
the heavy lifting kind of costs. And then everybody else has something they're bringing to the party, right? So when you think of a collaboration, there's a lot of different ways it can look. So some of the names that you'll hear about a collaboration would be, would you partner with me? Okay, that's one. Would, um, could we do a joint venture? Right? Or co-marketing? All right, so a joint venture, um, a good example of a joint venture. If you've ever seen the Beats by Dre headphones, those were formed out of a joint venture with three entities in it. And I happen to know one of them, Noel Lee. Noel is the CEO of Monster Products. And Monster Products did audio cables back in the day. Very high end, used at a lot of recording studios. Extremely proficient technical um, company, right? So Noel had the idea to do very high-end headphones because nobody was doing them yet. But he knew he needed somebody from the music industry as a face of the project. So he approached, um, oh, and he, the other person he wanted was someone with a lot of industry background and a lot of connections in the music industry. So he approached Jimmy Iovine because Jimmy works with a lot of different people and he knows many, many of the players in the industry. So Jimmy said, hey, you know, Dr. Dre is probably perfect for this. And the three companies formed a partnership called a joint venture. And Noel put in the technical expertise, the schematics, the team. He put two years into the development of the technology. And then Jimmy Iovine put in his connections. And they all put in a little bit of money. And Dre put in some money. And so that was a joint venture, OK? Um, Partnerships can be a marketing partnership. It could be a manufacturing partnership where your manufacturer may not do a formal partnership with you, but maybe they give you really good payment terms, right? Or they're going to carry the inventory cost for you, and you're going to go sell it, and then you'll pay them. Those are, are collaborations that are a little less structured than a formal manufacturing agreement. But a manufacturing agreement is um, usually a documented thing that says this manufacturer will do the manufacturing. They're going to hold the tooling. It's going to be this, 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 right? And in exchange for that, they get exclusive manufacturing capacity or something, okay? So when you think about partnerships, it's a word that gets tossed around a lot. And it's really, really important that you define the partnership. So let's go to some of this how-to. Yeah, perfect. So the how-to of a partnership, first off, it starts with getting clear about what the different roles are that you need, right? If you have a, a desire to partner, like say you're going on Shark Tank and you want an investor, it is never, ever, in that scenario, just about their money, right? It's about the connections. It's about the who they know, the what they know, and what they can bring to that um, area of your business, right? So the how to set them up starts with you sitting down and getting clear about what is 
what are the roles, right? And then I want you to actually write down some ideas of people to bring into the project and what is the upside to them for exerting effort on your behalf and on the project, right? It's very, very important that you do this because you can have partnerships that are paid partnerships or paid collaborations, right? Or you can have unpaid. Now, when we have consulting clients come in, um, I view this like it's a collaboration even though we've been paid to be participating, right? Because there's the time that we put in, the intellectual energy that we put in, all of that. And for me, as a context, it's best to view it as I'm collaborating with them so that um, I look to everybody's best interests and, and raise their project, right? So when you're collaborating, it's really important that you get the right energy dynamics as well, right? So if you've ever been in a collaboration that kind of went south, it probably was that somebody lost energy or enthusiasm or had an unrealistic expectation or an uncommunicated expectation, all right? So with um, the communicating is key in your collaborations. There's a bunch of different technologies that may help. And the, the elusive fit, right? They have to resonate with your project and you have to resonate with how they do business and what they're about. Otherwise, it's, it's really more of a paying for a particular service very transactionally, okay? Um, when we are doing packaging for a client, there is a transaction involved, right? And there's specific deliverables. But many times, we're also having to bring in um, expertise that they don't have in their team to know what should be on the packaging or what the legalities are of a certain thing or where their liability is and we have to put a warning in place and we have to do these things, right? So for us, even in a packaging project, we hold a collaborative mindset even though there's a transaction that's been involved, okay? It's very clearly defined in a, defined in a contract. So the the how-tos, first off, look for alignment, okay? Alignment of priorities, capacity, and expectations, timelines, okay? Then I want you to use the appropriate level of formality and project management, okay? So some collaborations should never go to a contract. If it's a co-marketing kind of thing where you're both going to promote each other's product and you're going to get a percentage of their sales or they get a percentage of yours or you're going to pass leads back and forth or, you know, you're using someone's product as, an, as a tripwire in your sales funnel or they're doing that with yours or something um, or you're the upsell, then at that point you probably don't need a big contract, right? If you're going to have an investor in your business, you definitely need some agreement in writing. So those are very different. Um, if you are interested in having partners in your project, like you have an LLC and you're selling memberships in the LLC to fund the project, it's very important that you check the alignment, the expectations, and timelines of when those things are expected. 
you want to get everybody into agreement before they come in because it's way more difficult to unravel it than it is to set it up well. Um, so let's see, what else do we want to say here? So alignment of the goals, the timeline, expectations. Some of the partnership agreements um, that you you probably don't need a whole lot in writing, you probably just do it with an email, involve co-marketing. Um, we have a couple marketing partners that we literally put it in place with a few emails and an NDA. And um, happily, one of our marketing partners um, that's really been doing awesome things with us, um, they just got bought by GoDaddy. So it's going to really expand the reach. So this summit is getting really interesting. Um, so with that, I want to open up the phone lines and answer your specific questions about collaborations um, so that we, we get that involvement. So if you have a question and you're on the phone line and you want to ask or you want some input on this or any other area of your project, press star 2 to raise your hand. Okay. So phone lines, press star 2 to raise your hand and that'll let me know you've got a question. And then over on the webcast, I'm going to go check our webcast questions. Awesome. I see we've got Mike here and Tim. Um, great. Tim is saying he's he wants to sell or license his product. He's patent pending since 2014. Awesome. So when you are licensing a product, um, it is a form of partnership or collaboration in some respects, but your role changes a lot when you license, okay? So when you are licensing, if you're thinking about it like a collaboration, you are looking for a company that is going to do a great job making and selling your product, that is going to have the integrity to do your payments on time and to be reputable about the reporting, right? So that your royalty checks are accurate and correct and that you have confidence in that. Uh, from their side, what they're looking for is a product that fits with the market segment that they sell to and the value proposition that they like to deliver and that will sell in the, the type of sales process that they like to use, okay? So it's not just about the product fitting, it's also about does their business model fit? Okay, so we, that's a little bit to think about with um, collaborations for licensing, particularly. So let me check our phone lines. Awesome, we've got a question. Oh, I think this is Timothy, who I was just handling something. Hey, Tim. Hi, this is Amy. How you doing today, Amy? I am doing awesome. Do you have another question? Yes, um, uh, I was... Um it's interesting in um, collaborating with a manufacturer to have the blind mm -hmm. field. Uh, I have all the drawings. I have everything, you know, towards the, um, the artwork. And mm -hmm. I need a manufacturer. So I saw from your webcast question that you are looking to license or to sell the product. Yes, Is that accurate? Yes. Um, okay. Because I've been looking for a manufacturer since 2014, so it's, it's kind of difficult doing it by yourself. So I was, mm -hmm. I was to license or either sell the product because um, I didn't, didn't have the funds right now to uh, have it manufactured. Got it. So when you say sell the product, there's two 
definitions of that you could be talking about. So um, I'm going to mute your line for a sec, and let me ask this question, then I'll open it back up. Okay. So when you say, for everybody who's here, when you say, I want to sell my product or license, you could be talking about two different definitions of sell your product. You can sell the, the patent rights or you can license them, which is kind of like renting them to somebody long-term under certain conditions, right? So you can sell the idea, or you can also sell the product itself, meaning you've manufactured and you're selling it in the market. I think in this case, Tim, you're talking about sell the idea to a manufacturer. Let me open up your line and see if that's correct. Is that right? Yes, yes, uh, that's right. Um, but I would also uh, look into uh, selling the patent, if mm -hmm. you know, uh, if the price was right on it, um, but I, I would prefer to license it to a company. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a couple different ways you can go about that, and in the case of royalty agreements and licensing agreements, the the integrity of the person you're licensing to is really important because you're trusting them to move the idea forward and things, um, let me talk a little bit about this. I'm gonna mute your line and I'll, I'll open it back up in a sec. So when you are licensing, you are trusting the person you license to, to have integrity and do what they say they're gonna do, right? Because usually in a licensing situation, there's a certain period of time where you know, it may be exclusive, you can't compete with them, you have to give them a year to 18 months to get it launched, and then you can't sell anywhere. And so there's definitely some things to pay attention to when you're licensing in terms of the integrity of your partner that you're doing the licensing contract with, right? So for finding one, because that's usually the other side of the question, how do you find someone who wants to license it? Um, look at other products that are in your category and check the back of the packages, see who they're manufactured and distributed by, and you can contact their VP of innovation or new products. Sometimes you can do it that way. Um, and you need to get very good at stating what the benefit is to them and to their customers, not the end consumer, but to them and their customer, meaning you know, in some cases it could be an end consumer. In other cases it'll be, you'll be talking to a manufacturer or a distributor like Crown Bolt and their customer is actually Home Depot, right? So you want to get very good at defining who the audience is that you need to be talking about in terms of the value, okay? So let me just open up your phone line and see if that helped you. So anybody else who's on the phone line, if you want to ask a question, press star two, raise your hand, and we'll talk a little bit more. So Tim, was that helpful for you? Uh, yes, it was uh, helpful. Um, but what you were saying, uh, I went to um, major blind companies. I've, I also uh, work with um, like um, community that's building homes. So uh, no mm -hmm. one, no one has turned me down, but no one has accepted. So I. What have they been saying? They haven't got back. I went to Levelor. I went to Hunter Douglas. I went to a lot of major blind companies. No one has wrote me back or even called me and said they didn't. So I've even called some of them back 
to see uh, where they interested, and they said they would have someone to call them. But no one has returned calls. So that's how long I'm, has it been? Um, well, last year was the last time I uh, touched bases with the last person uh, who was supposed to get uh, be getting back in touch with me. But um, right. So, did they have any information on the product? No, they um, basically didn't have any information on it. Um, well, yes, I, I told them what the blinds was, um, how they could control the light in any room. Um, there are, and then you also, uh, there's solar, there's uh, three to four tiers. Um, mm -hmm. And I also have um, horizontal and vertical. I have them both uh, patent since 2000, uh, patent pending since 2014. I'm first to file in the United States. Um, okay, so let me let me just um, address this because this will be helpful for everybody. So thank you for asking and bringing this up. When you're not getting calls back, it usually means that you're not addressing things the way that the other side needs it addressed. Either there's no interest, one, or if there is maybe some interest or maybe something, they're really busy and you're not giving them an easy thing to understand, okay? So what that could sound like is you probably, this is very typical, okay, that when you're calling them, you're talking all about your product instead of going to, along the lines of, you know, um, in the U.S. market, the trend towards solar and towards automation and Internet of Things hasn't really hit the blinds market yet in a way that's really easy to adopt. Since 2014, I've held a patent that actually does that. And we're estimating that manufacturing cost could be X, and that given the rise in home automation and the ability to connect us in with Alexa and whatever, whatever, um, that this would be a really good fit for your product line. And it would let you sell some blinds to people that have already bought blinds, but that aren't buying any new ones because they still have the old ones. This would give you the innovation to sell to them again. Are you interested in having a conversation? Do you hear that? Is that is that how you've been talking to them? I sent them. I did a. Um, um, I had someone to do what you're saying, and they did a. Okay. A, um, wrote up on how the window blinds was going to. Um, be real huge in the, in the housing industry because it's, it's so they did a, a long marketing plan for me to send to a few of these companies to let them know why. Oh, no. no, they're not going to read your plan until they're interested. Oh. I hate to say that, but they're just not. So what I'm saying is literally kind of the thing that should be said in the phone conversation before you even send anything to them. Because all of a sudden you're like, okay, wait a second, they're, they're hearing numbers that are attractive, right? So I think the phone conversation um, could be improved to get more interest with them, right? So Because if you're not even getting a phone call back and it really is a good fit for them, they're not seeing value for them. Not that it's not a good product, but they don't see how they're going to do it, how it fits in, et cetera. Is that helpful to know, at least? <laughs> I would I would suggest, you know, when we we'll, – we will put this episode up in the Product Business Show um, podcast, 
And so that will be available on the iTunes and Google Play later this week. You might want to listen to that section of the recording and, and see what you can craft, because I just did that off the top of my head. Okay. Okay? Right. But I think that for, for you to get people's interest to become um, licensing partners with you, that pitch moment of when you're making a phone call is really important. Okay? Okay. Yeah. So I guess I would so, have to get all that together before I call them and just... Yeah, no. don't don't call until you have that because you're not going to make very much headway and you don't want to feel, hold, I'm going to mute your line for a second. So for everybody, when you're doing these, be prepared for the first few calls to be rough, right? Like you're not going to nail it the first time out. But if you are calling a bunch of people and your energy is saying like, oh my gosh, I'm bothering them because they haven't called me back from before. What do I say now? And you're kind of dragging that into the third voicemail that you leave. It's not going to be attractive, right? So you want to think through the pitch, this part of it, before you make a whole lot of the phone calls. If you're in your second round of calls with people, great. You know, never assume that they didn't like your thing. Assume that they're busy, right? Um, so when you're doing it, it's better to prepare before you get into a whole lot of phone calls. If you've called people six times, your energy is going to be a little peeved for one thing, and it's going to also show up in your voice that you're fearful or tentative or um, defensive. So you want to actually figure this out before those emotions come up or clear those emotions. Okay? So, um, I'm going to I have to move to our next question cuz I know we're we're coming up on our time today. So uh Tim, was that helpful for you? Yes, yes, it was. It was. Perfect. Perfect. Um uh, Jeff will have the recording of this up in the podcast like I said in a couple of days, okay? Perfect. So I'm going to mute your line. I just muted your line for your privacy. Hey, Donna. I think you are next up here from Florida. Is this Donna? Yeah. Can you hear me? Hey there. I can hear you perfectly. What's your question? I, I was, my question kind of follows up on his question. I'm thinking, you know, I waited nine years, ten years to get a patent. Can you, why would I, if I were licensing, well, I have two questions. All right, one, can you license something that, even if you file first, it doesn't mean that you're going to get a patent on it. That's one. And so I'm wondering if that's an issue that you should take into consideration. And then two, can you, like, license to several people at one time with different kinds of um, agreements? You can in some cases. So let me take the, the first part of the question first. So whether or not, does it, does it matter if your patent is going to get granted or not? Yes, it matters when you're licensing. Um, the further you are into the process of getting granted, typically the more valuable the license is um, because a lot of companies know that you can get a patent pending status with just a provisional patent application, but that doesn't mean it's going to get granted, right? So if you file the non-provisional, that's more valuable than filing a provisional, typically. Okay. And the value also depends on the category of product and 
a, a bunch of other factors. So remember, I'm not an attorney, so none of that was legal advice. It's just a perspective, okay? Um, <laughs> so Donna, when it comes to can you license in can you license a product to multiple people at the same time? Yes, depending on the terms of the license agreements that you're signing. Okay, so sometimes there'll be exclusivity clauses, um, or it will be exclusive in a certain geography, right? Exclusive for North America, Europe, Asia, you know, or specific countries, right? So we've had clients that have. Um, a licensing agreement in Europe, distribution deal in Canada, distribution deal in the Philippines and Australia, and they have their own sales team here in the U.S., right? So you have to really pay attention to the terms, especially if you're going to license to multiple people, multiple companies, right? Because they'll have clauses like they're exclusive for a certain area or maybe a time frame. Or there's another favorite that is um, a tactic that I, makes me a little crazy, but they'll say it's exclusive for, quote, the territory, and then the territory is defined in an addendum. So you have to read through the whole thing very carefully because I ha saw one of these from a very well-known place, and it was that exact process. First page said exclusive in the territory. And then the addendum said that yeah. the territory was the world. <laughs> so, you know, like literally that was their phrase, the world. I'm like, Hello. why didn't you just say it's exclusive worldwide, right? Like be right. straight about it on the first page. But no, the territory. And then the addendum specified. Yeah. So um, you want to make sure that you're understanding how the different licensing agreements play with each other, right? Because you could have one licensing agreement in place that's non-exclusive or let's, let's just say it's exclusive for the U.S., but it also involves web sales, right? Like that they get all the web, web sales. Well, how does that play if somebody's doing a licensing deal that says Canada exclusivity and they get the web sales? Right. Right? So the web sales has... has given a new meaning to things, or if um, you have a licensing agreement that is for North America, right, and you sell to QVC uh, UK, right, and then they want to take it, like it does so well in the UK, they want to take it into all their markets, well, one of their markets is the US. So you have to actually be willing to kind of carve things up. Um, you can do non-exclusive deals that just are like that person can sell your stuff or they are licensing it, but it typically is a much lower royalty. What is that so helpful to understand? What are, yes, what are royalty, what's a ballpark ranging when you do royalties like this? For example, I have been contacted by those people as seen on TV and this and that, you know, and they want me mm -hmm. to give them money, or they can do all of it, and they'll give me 4%, but the 4% is of the net sales for mm -hmm. five years, and then after that I get nothing because I'm just the inventor or something like that. You know, it's kind of, it's, it just seems kind of 
poorly to me on the on the backside of it. I didn't quite understand. So what's a what's like a legitimate thing? Well, with a licensing deal, you're going to typically see a range. The lowest I've ever seen is 1%. And that was for something that was really <laughs> early stage. It was basically a napkin idea, you know, like a napkin drawing. Um, so it was really, really, really early. But it had a really good market. So, I mean, the, the money into, into it was very low so far. Um, so a r typical range is going to start somewhere around 3% and could go as high as like 8 or 9%. We have one of our clients who had built her business, had some sales, had the schematics for manufacturing, had some inventory, all this stuff, right? She was up and selling in Walmart Canada and a bunch of places. She got a deal when she decided to sell her business. It was 9% royalty for six years. And they bought all her inventory. They bought all the intellectual property for a cash lump sum. Um, and so when you look at that, you know, that's, that's pretty good. She got nine, uh, 9% 9 six years and then it still had, um, some performance clauses and things in it. Um, so that's pretty. 9% of what is my question? 9% of net sales. Of net sales. Right, but she, but the, but the deductions from gross sales were very well defined. So it was, okay. it was a good contract. It, it was really good for her and for what she wanted her life to look like. Yeah. yeah. So whenever you're looking at licensing deals, you want to actually run the numbers and do what I call play the tape the whole way through, right? Like, what does it look like? Okay. If it goes sideways, how do I get out of it? Um, if it's horrible and I hate them, how do I get out of it? Um, you know, like, how can they wiggle out of paying me anything? Or the other side is like, okay, if this really goes amazingly, what's that look like? And then you have those two numbers, and you go, can I live with the worst case? And do I have a way to cure the worst case? And do I love the best case? Okay. And you, you have to really work the whole, read the whole contract. Because some licensing agreements, um, I did a, a show on licensing um, there's, a, I think it was a two-part series um, that is up in the podcast right now that I'd really recommend you listen to because we talked through some of the different clauses, okay? Because um, there's some things that are not great in licensing, and then there's some really strong upsides. Um, so you have good sales history. Every, for everybody's information, Donna is one of our mastermind members, so... Um, I happen to know the project really well. <laughs> yeah, so um, do you have any more questions about this? No, thank you. Okay, you're welcome. And um, I have the information that you need me to review, and I'll be calling you later today, okay? Okay, great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So I'm going to mute your line for your privacy. So anybody else on the phone line who has a question, I'll take one more question before we wrap for today. Let me. So what you're going to do is press star 2 to raise your hand. Let me check our webcast. Awesome. Oh, Mary Jo has a question. Oh, thank you. She's, she says, thank you for keeping a success-oriented and heartfelt conversation going. 
any chance you could refer me to a talented and trustworthy engineer or product designer in LA who could help me get my product ready for manufacturing? Well, Mary Jo and I have had some conversations, so I know that her part is probably a plastic injection molded. And there's not a lot of engineering to what you're doing. There's a good service bureau that might be able to help you with this called, um, oh, they they do 3D printing too. It's Purple Platypus. <laughs> so Purple Platypus, P-L-A-T-Y-P-U-S. And they're out of Orange County. I want to say Irvine. And they are a company. They distribute the Stratasys 3D printing machines. But they do some service bureau work as well. So you could call them. They're really, really reputable. I have not done a project with them recently. But I liked their machines, and I, I like what they're capable of. So I would check with them. And they can help get things ready as well. Okay, so one last question on the phone lines. from A phone number ends in 4248 in Colorado. Hey there. Hi, Amy. It's Kate with Move More. How are you? I thought it might be you. I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much. So, Amy, I have a question on um, when you're calling your licensees, how long is the pitch, and is the pitch the same when you leave a message? Mm, great question, and I know exactly why you're asking this one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, so, Kate, when you are leaving a message, there's always the question, do you leave a message or not leave a message? Leave a message mm -hmm. or not leave a message, right? I go through it, too. You know, when I'm mm -hmm. when I'm calling somebody, um, I'm always like, oh, should I leave a message? And if you're going to leave a message, you have to make it compelling for them, okay? That's where having a track record helps, right? Because you can drop little breadcrumbs into your message. So... For example, when we're calling um, someone like a, a large company, because we do that for some of our clients, as you know, and we'll say something like, if I'm talking to a secretary, I drop in the thing about worked on a product line, did $300 million in three years of sales. I think we have something that could be really interesting for your customer base. Would you like to take a look? They'll usually have a conversation, right? Um, that's using our credibility to get the conversation. So the same thing can apply with your product because you have such great test results. So if you mm -hmm. were going to leave a message, I would recommend that you lead with some of the test results. You know, we have, mm -hmm. a, we have a product that is perfect for the active aging market, and it's been getting out-of-sight test results of X and X, right? <clears throat> of X and X. So I was hoping that you'd be interested in taking a, having a conversation. Would you be interested in having a conversation about mm -hmm. how that fits in with your product line and how we could work together? Mm -hmm. If good. you're talking to them, that's what you're going to say. Gotcha. If you're leaving a message, it's trickier, right? Because most people are going to look for names that they recognize first in their voicemail, like if they're doing visual voicemail. And 
Oh, I wonder if you want to do that. Maybe what you should do if you're going to make a series of phone calls from, oh, say, a contact list that was provided to you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> Let's just say, for everybody who's listening, um, Kate's one of our clients, and for our consulting clients, we provide a list of contacts if they would like that. So um, if you were going to leave a voicemail for people, maybe you might want to change your caller ID. What do you mean? I mean, instead of Move More or Kate Reed, you might mm -hmm. want to have, you know, active aging in 10 minutes a day mm. as your caller ID. Ah, you're so smart. <laughs> and make even your caller ID a benefit statement. <laughs> ah, I get you. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, you could even do something like, um, if you're leaving the actual message, think in terms of the other person. Hey, I know you're really busy, right? Mm -hmm. This could be a good mm -hmm. opening. Depends on if you know the, the person. I know you're really busy. And matter of fact, everyone with anti-aging is really busy. It's the number one growing category. We have a product that's been proven by independent medical studies to really work effectively in 10 minutes. I'd love to discuss it with you. Please call me. Mm -hmm. That's great. You know, or I'd love to discuss how it fits in your product line. Please call me. Gotcha. Great. So keep it real um, short and sweet and show them respect yes. for their time. Okay. Show respect for their time without being apologetic. Right. Right. Don't apologize yes. for calling when you have an opportunity for them to make money. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. just, you, yeah, stand in the strength and in the place of your calling because you have something valuable to offer and they have something valuable to offer to a, to this collaboration as well, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have right. distribution, they have reach, they have manufacturing capability, but you have a product that has done some really cool things. For anybody who has not seen Kate's product, I highly encourage you to go to her website, check it out. Um, we have my mother-in-law using one, and her strength has increased so much. Before she started using her Move More board, it's a lower body resistance trainer that's very easy to use, easy to set up. Um, she has it in her living room, and she just has a chair in front of it, and she uses it a couple times a week. And she uses it for about 10 or 15 minutes. She's very conscious of not overusing it. And mm -hmm. she had um, a little bit of struggle with strength in her legs and her balance. And she is doing amazing with it. So awesome. highly. There you go. There's my, my personal testimonial after watching oh, the That's the driver. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. Thanks yeah. for sharing, Amy. Oh, Great. you're welcome. So... Kate, spell the website for everybody. So it's movemore.com, M-O-V-E-M-O-R.com. Right. So there's only one E, everybody, and um, if you're interested, it's an amazing product. So, Kate, that's how I'd suggest you leave some of the messages. Great. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more tomorrow. So um, Great. I've got you on my calendar. Okay? 
I think it's today at 4, but we'll figure that out later because you're busy right now with your call. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I will take I'll, a look, all right? We'll double check. I'll double check, too, but I thought it was today. But anyway, um, thank okay. you so much, Amy, for your help. Oh, you're welcome. I'm going to mute your line for your privacy. And everyone, that is our product business show around collaborations. We may do a part two if that's popular for everyone. And for anyone who has their product or has an idea and is working in prototypes, I would really, really encourage you to get looped into some other people that are doing products however that looks for you. We have clients that are working with us privately, one-on-one -on -one in consulting. Right now, I do have to tell you, uh, consulting has a wait list. The longest the wait list has ever been is 12 weeks. Um, we are expecting that it will probably be a two-week wait list right now. Um, we do have our product mastermind, though, and for many of you that are on this show, that would be a phenomenal place for you to get deeper training and exposure and ask your questions on an ongoing basis and collaborate with other people. So um, I'd really encourage you to get in touch with us about that. If you're interested in the product mastermind, it is a three-month commitment. And that it's a three-month commitment because that's how long it takes some, in some cases to get some momentum built. And I do know that we've had phenomenal results showing up out of it, um, some that are confidential and we'll be sharing soon. So um, you'll also be hearing from some of the people in our product mastermind and our consulting clients in the product summit. So the summit looks like it's going to come out the third week of June. You'll see more announcements about it and more information as that gets closer. And um, I'm so excited that we're going to be able to bring this to you. It looks like it will be a week to 10 days and it will be free. So um, we would love it if when you see those announcements and the social media posts, if you could please share them. Um, because how this is penciling out is amazing and we're looking to make the deepest impact we can with the most people and um, to really foster creativity on the planet for everyone. So with that, we have, um, <laughs> I have a, a note here from my producer. I do need to let you know that we do have room for our licensing support packages. So we have a, a specialized set of actions that we do for people that are licensing. And you can certainly contact Jeff about that and the mastermind. So Jeff's phone number is 626-709-3850. Or you can email Jeff at productstoprofits.com we have about three spaces for licensing support at this moment in time. But I would love to encourage you and work with you so that you get the maximum results that you can from your products. With that, everyone, have a wonderful rest of your week, and we will talk with you in two weeks. Anybody who's going to the hardware show, I will be there. Please find me. Say hello. Um, it looks like I may be judging the inventors area again this year. So I will be around there. Please find me. Let's put names and faces together. So have a wonderful week, everyone. Bye for now.